Hey there, this is Jan from Vanly. Before you listen to this episode, I wanted to let you know that the audio quality is not really good. This is because we live streamed the episode on our socials. The next episode won't be live streamed anymore, so we can have a good audio quality for future podcasts. Enjoy. Welcome everyone for episode 10 of the Family Expert Talks, last one of the year. And today we're going to talk about real world businesses navigating the crypto space and assets together with Arul, uh, COO at Polytrade Finance. But before I introduce you to Arul, I just wanted to go over the basics of the Family Expert Talks. So we're streaming live on Twitter, on LinkedIn and on YouTube. And we're also recording this for our podcast on Spotify and Apple. If you want to ask questions to our rule directly, then you can do so by placing comments on the streams on Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. We'll see them popping up here and our rule will answer them live. If you don't want to answer questions, uh, if you don't want to ask questions, uh, don't bother. It's okay. And you will have this recording on Spotify as well. So to remind you why we do this, we want to inspire the generation of Web3 builders by telling great stories um, and hearing them from great minds, just like Arul. And yeah, um, now today we are going to hear from an expert how today's businesses are looking at crypto and digital asset investments. And um, we have with us Arul Prakash, the COO at Polytrade Finance. Welcome on stage, Arul. How are you doing? Very good, Ian. Thank you very much for having me here. Great, great to have you. Um, first, I'm, I wanted to ask some questions about you personally before we dive into your project and also on your vision for vision for real world businesses and uh, the Web3 space. But about you, can, can you give a little bit of background of your life um, and crypto, um, where you're from, etc.? Sure. So uh, I've been, uh, you know, all through in India and traveling around uh, different countries largely from a professional capacity as such so a bit of a, a global citizen sorts always ready with my bags packed to travel at any point in time uh, from a background perspective i had done my engineering followed by a post graduation in business management uh, again focused around technology and marketing and supply chain um, i've been working with largely retail and consumer good companies for the last uh, quite a few years as a part of it worked with uh, strategy consulting at uh, accenture management consulting uh, i was also working as a functional consultant at uh, tata consultancy services and uh, before before i jumped into the crypto bandwagon as such uh, from a full-time capacity i was heading product development for uh, a group called Tata Digital in India, which is which is quite a large group as such. So I was heading the product development for some set of businesses, and uh, from a, from a crypto side, I've been here for about four years or so, somewhere around May 2017 is largely when I started. Uh, I started off obviously more looking at it from an investment uh, point. Been lucky enough to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, rather, you know, the first time I came across crypto was somewhere around 2013, if I'm not wrong, when the earlier uh, spike happened. Uh, it, it seemed a bit too far for me at that point in time, or rather I just did not spend the 
uh, amount of time that I should have given back then, but 2017 was a different uh, time and space. So I really got deep, tried to understand from an investment point, but then uh, very soon I figured that, you know, looking at it from an investment point of view is probably just seeing 20, 30% of what, what the true capacity or potential of, uh, you know, the, the entire decentralization concept and how is going to change in fact you know professionally i've always been working on uh, you know building uh, new technologies and integrating them to achieve business goals right so working with larger retailers like uh, walmart uh, dng and and multiple other retailers globally uh, it was always been my prerogative that let's look at how technology can enable or actually create value for businesses and this seemed to be a perfect uh, perfect opportunity for me to bring something new uh, with the expertise that i had and uh, that's when i jumped into crypto assets from a full-time uh, perspective great yeah that's awesome to hear and uh when when did you join polytrade finance and did you join polytrade finance as a coo directly yeah so yeah, that is, that is true. In fact, uh, it's an interesting story. So, uh, like I said, been with for about three, four years in the crypto space as such. So, uh, at least in the Indian ecosystem, uh, I in touch with quite a few uh, large founders of other crypto projects as such, and all, always been in touch with them. And uh, Sandeep Nailwal is a very good friend. So he had actually come across. Uh, you know, he is essentially the advisor on this project and uh, based on my past experience and the, uh, uh, you know, understanding that I had on business and enterprise systems, uh, he had uh, suggested that, you know, Polytrade is something that uh, definitely I should be looking at. And uh, that's that's when I kind of jumped over to the space as such since 2021. So that's that's about seven months or so, I would say. And uh, yeah, I joined as the CEO directly. So it is a running business. Uh, so Polytrade, uh, you know, while the name is comparatively new, the business itself in its conventional form has been running for the last seven years or so in the trade finance space. And uh, uh, we financed about $500 million worth of invoice in the last seven, you know, seven odd years. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, the time was right where the entire business had to pivot uh, to a complete digital mode, considering that you know the COVID had impacted us, and you know in-person discussions and in-person meetings of how the space usually works uh, started to go off. We all had to move to a digital mode as such, and the blockchain piece kind of piggybacked on top of it, right? And so it it all synced up at the right time, and uh, that's how I kind of uh, reached here and happy to be here as well. Nice, nice, great. Um, and before we dive deeper into what Polytrade Finance does, um, and for the people that didn't recognize the name, um, Sandeep Nanwal, uh, so Arul, your friend that introduced you to Polytrade Finance, Sandeep Nanwal is one of the founders of yeah, yeah. Uh, Polygon Network, and we had him here on the show, I think, two or four weeks ago. Um, so we interviewed him as well on the division of Polygon. It's an excellent um, episode of the Family Expert Talk with uh, with Sandeep as well. Great. I saw that Sandeep indeed was a, was an advisor in a, in the project, and that the project is built on uh, Polygon as well. So that's uh, that's great. Last question about you before we dive deeper that's into right, that's finance. Right. Can you explain, like, um, or can you tell us, did you work in blockchain before Polytrade Finance or were you just active in space as an investor 
um, besides working? Yeah, so so before I uh, joined here uh, on full time over here, so I was working as part of uh, Accenture Strategic Consulting. So in India, I was leading the uh, innovation space for retail and consumer goods organizations for all the Indian clients uh, as part of the strategic consulting division, right? And uh, over there, you know, in India, there are a lot of uh, POCs, a lot of uh, implementations that are currently in progress in the blockchain space as well. You know, uh, some in terms of uh, traceability and provenance around coffee production and tea production and which farm it comes from. So the entire uh, supply chain aspect uh, project is something that I had initially worked uh, during the solutioning phase as well. So yeah, I'm I'm aware of the entire farm to fork story of how blockchain fits into it. But uh, you know, not just Accenture, but uh, rest yeah. of the larger consulting organizations also are still not very comfortable with the crypto element to their business as such, right? So they're still figuring out uh, how to make that leap from blockchain to a crypto-enabled system. So that's yeah. that's exactly where uh, I was and the organization was as well. <laughs> and before Accenture could take the leap, I took the leap, you know. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about, about real-world businesses uh, mm -hmm. adopting crypto, adopting blockchain and uh, Web3 mechanics um, yeah. and, and innovating through Web3. So what does, in your words, what, what does Polytrade Finance do and what, what is the vision of uh, Polytrade Finance? Sure. So uh, there are there are two different uh, aspects that I'd like to talk about when I talk about Polytrade, right? Now, the core goal of what what it was built and what it still stands for is access to capital access to capital for small and medium enterprises is what we are trying to enable right now um, just to just to give an ex example right because you know trade finance is not an intuitive uh, area it is not something that a regular user comes across because all of these things happen in the back end right so uh, just to think of as an example that you know there is a say a handicrafts manufacturer or a manufacturer apparel manufacturer sitting out of say uh, south africa and he is supplying to a retailer like walmart right as a business practice what happens is that once walmart receives the goods from the manufacturer in this case the hand, uh, the apparel manufacturer out of south africa walmart makes the payment about 30 days 45 days 60 days 90 days later right and uh, these payments are so this duration of delay between receiving the goods and actually making the payment is called as the credit period and it is a very standard norm across multiple industries as well not just in retail and uh, what this does is that for a small and a medium enterprise uh, it kind of restricts the amount of uh, cash that he has in his hand right because you, you can understand that you know he has to pay his own employees the salary he has to pay for uh, his electricity bills he has to pay for the raw materials that he has procured he has to pay for raw materials that he needs to procure for future orders as well all of these and uh, a, a delay of 45 or a 60 day period kind of completely limits his ability to grow his business and that amount of cash that you have in hand to deploy for your business is typically called as your working capital, right? Our entire goal through Polytrade is to ensure that the small and medium enterprises have access to capital 
and they are able to deploy it against their guaranteed invoices uh, in into their business so in this case assume that walmart has purchased the goods there would be an invoice standing against walmart which says that he needs to pay say a million dollars back right uh, what polytrade does is that it accesses crypto liquidity it takes in money from the crypto investors in terms of stable coins checks the invoice from the south african manufacturer issues him the money from the crypto liquidity against that particular invoice and after 60 days when the time has come when the money needs to be received from walmart we go to walmart and we collect the money on his behalf so for this entire service the manufacturer gets access to capital 45 days prior to what he usually gets so he is able to focus on other things he will be he is willing to let go of a certain percentage of that invoice so we take probably a 1% or a 2% cut out of that particular invoice and the returns that we get we give that money back to the crypto investors who had initially invested right now so this this like i said is a not not very intuitive but there are very many benefits that each of the players in the ecosystem actually get the first thing like i said is a small and medium enterprise actually getting access to capital see one of the things we need to be very clear about right that in case of uh, this space what the issue is is not cost of capital the issue is access to capital what i mean by that is typically a, a enterprise a small manufacturer is willing to give a percent or a 2% more than what he would otherwise get if he is able to get access to that cash immediately because time is more important to him than uh, the 1% 2% that he will be uh, saving right so access to capital and quick response to his needs is what one of the things that uh, polytrade will be uh, taking care of on the other side there is a huge benefit that the crypto investors get uh, not very many people know of this kind of an asset class that exists this is typically operated by very large institutions and uh, uh, bank banks typically and this is a very safe investment vehicle as well so as an individual you or i will never be able to get an exposure to an asset class like an invoice financing but with polytrade we are able to even take money as low as $100 in terms of stable coin and be able to deploy it in real world now deploying it in real world again brings a very uh, interesting benefit right uh, obviously we're all aware that you know the entire crypto market goes with uh, cycles with bull and bear cycles as such now when we have an exposure to a real world business the bull and bear cycle of the crypto market the volatility of the crypto market is entirely out of question which basically means that the investment they would be doing in terms of stable coin on polytrade platform is actually crypto winter proof as we call it so it doesn't matter whether bitcoin is at 5000 or 50000 as long as uh, we have stable coins that have been deployed in the real world the patterns and the returns will be following real world commerce that happens right and the gap of uh, the industry that we're trying to tackle so globally this this industry is around seven trillion dollars right the trade finance industry that i'm specifically talking about and the gap which means that unaddressed market alone is around 1.6 trillion dollars today 
so the total size actually should be seven plus 1.6 trillion dollars right so an unaddressed market of 1.6 trillion dollars is what exactly polytrade is uh, uh, currently tr trying to tap into if if that answers uh, your question yeah perfectly perfectly um yeah and it makes a lot of sense the way you explain it um question would be if if i consider myself as a retail investor and i would say okay i want to invest uh, via the polytrade finance platform into real world assets which um, i invest with stable coins but how do you compare it with um, because i can also stake stable coins on popular exchanges or um, uh, DeFi protocols um, and get an apy of let's say maybe 10 percent, 12 percent is that are, are you targeting the same uh, kind of investors and are you giving the same um type of of of, of yield or what is the biggest yeah, difference saying you know the, the returns that you see currently on stable coins on different exchanges and protocols as such is during the bull phase, right? So today you see 10% and 12% of the returns. But even if you rewind back to about a year or two back, it, it at max used to be about 3 or 4%. And even established players like our compound today still give at very low uh, single digit returns. That's, that's, uh, that's the prevailing rate of any kind of stable coin uh, yield, yield investment kind of products. Now, why others are able to give a higher amount of APY could be their own business model and how they need cash more than uh, other folks and where it is getting deployed. And obviously, you know, the rewards are a factor of uh, the level of risk that the uh, asset class is going to have as well. Now, in our case, it doesn't matter whether it is a bear market or a bull market in the crypto space because we have an exposure to real world our returns will continue to be between the range of 8 to 12 percent or so right and that is that is how it is going to be um, another point is also that you know we need to look at it from a very uh, portfolio diversification angle as well would you like to keep all your investments only with a high exposure to crypto or would you want to have an exposure to real world assets which you can invest from a crypto medium itself, right? Think of it this way. Uh, you have a lot of hedge fund organizations today who uh, obviously have a good amount of exposure on crypto investments as such. But at some point they do move to stable coins and uh, end of the day, everyone seems to be still looking at their PNL sheet with a dollar denomination. Now, when they do convert to dollar, they do they want to deploy that dollars also in a different places which are not exposed to that kind of a crypto uh, risk and if we are able to provide an exposure to a real world asset asset class inside the crypto ecosystem it provides a huge amount of diversification itself right that's that's uh, at another advantage now from a customer segment perspective uh, while retail investors definitely would be one of our target segments, we are targeting more towards HNIs and hedge funds and institutional investments in crypto space uh, to uh, lock their funds inside our lending pools, right? So the marketing approach and the targeting approach for all of those are going to be a tad different than uh, other DeFi protocols as such. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that answer. And the platform itself, is it is it because I saw that it was releasing in January next year, so in a few weeks, is it already live? Yeah. Is it in beta or testing or how can people subscribe to uh, to get notified? Yeah, so we already have a live uh, a system which is currently undergoing testing, right? So it is in a test mode and it will be going live 
uh, in the uh, second and third week of January. That is the plan. Uh, we are already done our security contract audits for uh, you know 50% of the product is done. Another 50% for another set of smart contracts is currently underway. We're also uh, in the process of uh, doing a vulnerability and uh, you know penetration testing done from a big four, uh, so as to ensure that all the funds are locked within the system safely. Uh, so it's it's all about in the final stages. Uh, we should be seeing the system live very soon, and the beta access is open to public. So anyone who wants access to that just needs to fill up a form, and we'll be getting back to them in terms of how they can access the system. So it is open to anyone. Awesome. Yeah, sign me up for uh, for the beta, definitely. Um, and and yeah, there was one of my questions was how to make sure that everything is 100% secure. But uh, you answered this with with uh, you you're doing smart contract audits and then consulting audits. And fact, um, you know, one more point yeah. on that, right? I mean, uh, just just to add on to that, which not other protocols can actually claim, because our invoice uh, our funds are actually getting deployed in the real world right going to back invoice now in the real world there is a certain insurance product which is called as a credit insurance now the credit insurance typically is backed by an invoice so think of it that there's an insurance company who says that okay you have an invoice from walmart walmart has never defaulted on payment of an invoice i'm willing to give an insurance cover on top of it Right. So that's what we typically call as a credit insurance. So all the invoices that we fund in the real world are always going to be credit insurance backed, which kind of adds an additional layer in the real world, which doesn't exist currently. So there's like three layers of protection. One is in terms of credit insurance for the funds which have been deployed in the real world. Second is the smart contract insurance itself that we will be taking with uh, partners like Tidal Finance and Nexus Mutual, and uh, uh, third is uh, another interesting aspect that we are adding, which obviously is also to increase the utility of uh, the trade token and provide value to trade token holders. Is that you know there's a way, there's a concept called as a safety fund in Aave, right? Wherein uh, people who stake that particular token, in our case, so people who stake trade token will actually be getting a percentage of the protocol fees that the borrowers are going to pay us, right? So anyone who gets the invoice financed is going to make a certain percentage of that invoice as a fees. And that fees, a percentage of that is going to be paid to all the trade token stakers. The risk factor of that is uh, the tokens that are being staked will be used to cover any kind of risk of failure, which is not covered as part of credit or smart contract insurance. So in case of any kind of uh, uh, hack or uh, money that we're not able to pay our stablecoin lenders, we would be going across for a governance council approval. And once the governance council approves it, we will access the insurance safety fund that we have from the token staker, trade token stakers, and use that fund to pay off the lenders, right? So there's like two, three different layers of protection provided to stablecoin lenders on the platform as such okay great yeah thanks for uh for that clarification and uh yeah i'm very very looking forward to uh to seeing the platform as well and and testing it out but uh great to hear that that the amount of security and also in case something goes wrong there is like a good plan um that really yeah shows that that uh, poly trade finance is I, I would say an enterprise that has been there for a long time already and now transitioning to a uh, to crypto or to web3 solutions 
um, and, and that makes it indeed a little bit different into in terms of risk uh, ratios for uh, for the retail investors. Um, question yeah. for like follow uh, fellow Web3 builders and that are attracting users. What is uh, most difficult for you? Is it attracting um, investors or attracting businesses that wants to uh, use um, invoice, invoice financing via Web3 technology? So I would say it is at this point, uh, the I wouldn't say either of them are very, cha very challenging, uh, but, but I would say that more of our focus we would give towards getting our lending pools filled. Why? Because like I said, we've already been working in this space for the last six, seven years or so. So we have a, a good customer base with whom we've been transacting for the last few years, right? And everyone is excited about the new product that we're launching. So on the demand side for invoices, for origination of that, one, we have our existing customer base. Uh, second on the demand side is also that till date, we've been working mostly in the Indian subcontinent region, right? So it is around India, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Myanmar, and so on. The regions where we've been currently working for the last few years or so. Uh, and, and trade finance is such a large beast that, you know, it, it's not possible to cover the entire globe by a single team as such. So we are building up partnerships across different regions in uh, Southeast Asia, in uh, LATAM, in the US, with similar kind of organizations and trying to provide them a line of credit with through which they will be able to finance their uh, invoices that they have as well right so our demand side is very healthy we've already assigned a few mous or partnerships which we've listed uh, on our uh, site as well so that's not much of a concern on the lending side is where we are looking to uh, open up the uh, floodgates but very slowly because you know it's it's end of the day it is money so we want to be make sure that we gradually increase so we're not looking at you know suddenly opening up with a 500 million kind of a tvl on our protocol we're looking to gradually increase it to make sure that you know the system is scalable and sustains cool that's, so that's... when we um talk about attracting investors to your platform i read somewhere that you're implementing gamification for them can you explain how you want to do them how you want to do that and why Sure. I mean, uh, I think the why part is uh, much more important, partly because, you know, what, what we've realized is that at, at current state, the average age of a typical investor or a DeFi person is quite low, right? It's probably around the early 30s at best. Otherwise, most of them are uh, below 30. And uh, what we've realized is that the conventional mechanisms that typically apply for a finance kind of a product doesn't appeal to the specific age group that we're looking for, which is largely digital native who, who've grown up with the internet sort of a thing, right? And uh, somehow looking at gamification was an opportunity, one, to tap into this particular audience, and second, also to make things uh, a bit more interesting uh, in a very landscape like a DeFi, right? DeFi is kind of a boring space if it is not colorful and doesn't have characters and so on. So that was an angle that we've done. So what we're trying to do is we're creating a play to APY kind of a model. Obviously, you know, I'm guessing most of the listeners uh, are aware of the play to earn model. What we're doing is a play to APY model, which basically means that owning a certain NFT after playing that particular game will entitle you to a percentage bonus 
on what you on lending pools. So, uh, as you mentioned in a fashion, someone deposits say a hundred dollars, and uh, he gets an NFT which entitles him additional five percent APY. He would get a five percent, which basically translates to five dollars. Now, the interesting part of this is the call the value that the person who is depositing hundred dollars will give to this particular nft is five dollars right but think of it in a larger scale assume there is an investor who wants to put into stable coin say a million dollars now the value of that nft from five dollars goes to fifty thousand dollars because he is going to get the same amount of uh, additional apy but in terms of value it completely changes it right so there is a lot of uh, interesting play that is possible here where uh, when where a higher um, uh, an individual or an investor who wants to invest a higher amount would uh, associate a higher value to that nft while uh, the uh, reverse might not be true right so that's an interesting play that we're trying to bring uh, so we're looking to partner with other nft projects and you know even uh, a couple of days back uh, i was having a conversation with gerbert uh, obviously from benley uh, to understand you know what are the functionalities that provide because obviously you have a good uh, set of uh, suite of products when it comes to nfts and uh, we've kind of found already a solution within the Bentley suite of products which is going to spe specifically cater to us uh, for for addressing this particular model yeah. nice yeah that's nice to hear i also know um like a fun project that we had here on a podcast as well is good ghosting and good ghosting they they use the play uh, let's say play to uh, no, it's it's like play to earn, but it's more like stake and then uh, keeping your stakes to earn more. So it's it's gamifying DeFi as well. So you need to put money uh, on several dates, and then if you quit the saving pool, then your earnings will go to the others, which continue the saving pool for a specific wow. amount of time. So, so I, I like to see that that the DeFi space is uh, like you say, coloring up with uh, with some cool fees um like uh, when you sell your products um to the real world uh let's say that for others listening that have a product and they are um more in, in, in the i would say the the real world solutions and they want to now integrate blockchain and web3 and they sell to the same companies that they used to selling but those companies they're not used to web3 products of course some could be yeah. uh, I, I would say that a little bit more um distancing the, the web3 products how do you or what questions do you get from those traditional and real world businesses the most sure i i think uh, that's a that's a really good question i mean you know we often do get this part that you chain is something which is uh, non-intuitive uh it is not something that you know um users still have a good uh, hold on in terms of handling their keys or what does it mean when you say a private key? Uh, if I lose my key, is there a customer care to whom I can call, right? Or all the usual mm -hmm. questions. So the way that we have kind of uh, designed the whole product, I mean, this was a very, very pivotal point when we were designing the product, that when a user interacts, specifically when a real world business interacts with the application, it should be as seamless that they're using a blockchain-based system while getting all the uh, user interface and user experience and ensuring that um, uh, even a manufacturer who typically is into hard goods is able to transact with a digital system such as this which has the benefits of blockchain uh, but but needless to say 
he loses out on service if he is not aware of these con right so we are trying to focus a lot in terms of incentivizing and educating the users on how to use this crypto based platform and if he is able to suitably learn and understand and you he stands an opportunity to get a lower fees uh, better returns for the uh, uh, funds that he is locking with us and so on so there is a minor minor bit of gamification or incentivization angle that we use or rather should i say in the carrot and stick approach we taking a carrot approach wherein we are hoping that a financial incentive will increase the uh, interest level in learning these kind of concepts but not knowing them doesn't stand as a roadblock for them to participate in the network right so that has been something that we are very particular about uh, and uh, even when we are designing the product uh we have taken a lot of feedback from real world businesses and creating the user interfaces and flows so we're quite sure that they're not going to find it uh, drastically different but at the same time uh, it will give them a lot of opportunities to learn about all right yeah makes sense um and and do you see again when selling to those traditional businesses do you see already some patterns in in demographics or industries that are already up to speed with, with the whole web tree um id or or innovation you, you, can, can you pin some industries where it goes i, I would say smoother yeah so uh, from an industry perspective you know conventionally finance in the industry which usually uh, takes the front and uh, it continues to be so even over here um, and you see multiples of different banks using uh, blockchain based systems they've been using it for three to four years but uh, you know there has not been a, a collective approach an ecosystem play between all the players right so now there are companies who are using the provenance based approach from a supply chain and uh, you know product tracking perspective pharma has started to use it uh, i i've seen i've worked in implementations uh call out on uh, uh, source of the specific product which farm the product comes from i believe henneke also has worked on uh, henneke and kasberg but they have also worked on a use tax where the barley specific beer has come from right so supply chain and finance i would say are really in the forefront of how this is getting adopted uh, you know public side also there's traction we do see uh, uh, a lot of government entities starting to use blockchain based system for land registry for health registry I, I, even in india i believe there are states who are probably using polygon based systems for tracking the vaccination cert as well so there, there is a lot of traction on those side uh, all these examples that i've called out right they are all blockchain based implementations which mostly most of them operate on a private blockchain sorts right we are yet to see a real full scale implementation where Uh, the inherent benefits of using a cryptocurrency within those blockchain systems have been tapped, not at an enterprise right now. So, uh, and you know, when it comes to enterprise, they have a lot of challenges because uh, adopting such a system means changing their business processes, right? And changing the regulatory compliance or managing the regulatory compliance. I know that you know, regulation itself is confused state right as to what needs to be done, how it needs to be done. and the enterprise prefer to uh, follow uh, all the regulations as they are set so even the organizations are confused as to how to defer uh, set up but definitely it is a, 
are paying attention this waiting for this clarity to come on i'm sure you know supply chain and finance like i said are going to be the first ones that are going to come on board in terms of handling these real world uh, uh, use cases for blockchain specific that's cool yeah so um <clears throat> Indeed, and I was also hearing you saying that um, that the, the the public space is also an interesting one joining the the, the Web three ecosystem, especially yeah. with Polygon and tracking the COVID vaccinations. That's uh, that's super interesting. I didn't know about it. I have um, two more questions for you. Um, yeah. One would be for uh, for the listeners that are also like looking to build something for the traditional businesses, but then optimizing it uh, just like you do with uh, using Web three technology. And um, first one would be, what are the opportunities that you see for Web3 builders uh, as in tools and platforms that can today help uh, traditional businesses? So uh, definitely Polytrade Finance does the, the, the invoice financing part, but what other use cases do you see that Web3 can, uh, can, can help uh, the traditional businesses with? Sure. See, uh, I mean, one of the interesting plays that, you know, I'll pitch in over here is the whole metaverse concept, right? Uh, it, it's uh, it, it's something that currently the real world business don't see as something relevant to them. Probably the businesses look at it uh, just as a VR enabled internet. But I see that as a huge opportunity, which early when early uh, early entrants are going to get a lot of uh, headway in terms of uh, benefits and market presence and consumer attention. So that is an area that. Uh, definitely the real world businesses have to look for uh, why and how specifically this is relevant from a, a consumer and a retail perspective. Think of it this way, right? Uh, end of the day, any business, any consumer facing business is vying for a consumer attention. And that is the whole point of why Facebook ads work, why Google ads work, because your consumer is spending more and more time online you want to be at a place where he is most amount of the time earlier people used to spend a lot of time reading the newspaper so you used to spend a newspaper ads but those ad spends are moving from real world media from real world holdings to web ads which which are providing you know better access and better reach and better segmentation of your target customers this attention of customer is going to move from internet to the metaverse Obviously, because it is more engaging, and you can you would you would end up spending more time there. So, real world businesses are going to start looking at the metaverse not as just a medium, but it is going to start becoming a channel of sales. Right? They think of it like a consumer goods company again, who has different channels of sales. Right? They would have institutional sales. They would have retail sales. They also track e-commerce sales. They track e-commerce on Amazon separately, e-commerce on their own channel separately. Very soon, there will be a separate metaverse channel sales that each of these companies are going to look for, right? If H&M is launching a metaverse store uh, recently, then they are going to look at what is the sale that I'm getting from a metaverse product. If DNG is launching into metaverse, they're going to say, what kind of revenue stream am I generating from there compared to operating a real world retail outlet? with all the challenges of time and people and so on. So they will start focusing more on different channels to earn more and more revenues to stay where the customer attention is. So uh, it is for any consumer facing business, it's extremely pivotal to start looking at the area of metaverse. And you know, while your question was specific to Web3, uh, our approach specifically from Polytrade perspective is that 
there is no metaverse if there is no web3 right it is just glorified internet on vr headset and that's not what uh, our, our view on how metaverse should be so if facebook has a certain approach of how it needs to be within walled gardens then that's that's not exactly what metaverse should be metaverse should be much more open decentralized synchronous persistent all of those concepts that you know uh, really puts it across as a differentiator so that's a space uh, in the next five to eight years that definitely business should be looking at damn yeah that's awesome to hear and it's super exciting as well and completely agree on the closed uh, walls um version of, of, of the metaverse and, and, and what facebook is doing and um yeah very much looking forward to what's going to happen with with e-commerce and and i don't know how it's going to be called maybe, maybe meta commerce um like real yeah commerce in the metaverses last question um it's, it's not an easy one but it's again about polytrade finance um i saw on your website which is a, an awesome website by the way that you're envisioning a fully decentralized organization in the in the, yeah, in the coming months and years how no first maybe why why are you looking to do this and and how will that uh, be possible sure so uh, as we were starting to build the polytrade app for the sme segment as such right we were talking to a lot of different players talking to polygon as well and what we realized is that there are a certain innate uh, gaps or uh, white 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 spaces as you call it in the tech space for crypto players as well which caters to buyers payments commerce and finance etc right so for example today we're creating a product focused on small and medium enterprises in real world but what we what we noticed is that with a minor tweaking of our solution itself we should be able to cater to certain innate needs of crypto players like polygon for making payments towards their own respective suppliers right so currently if you see uh, polygon has probably a vendor spend of close to $5 million per month. And uh, there are a few challenges in terms of say, uh, how do I perform the KYC? How do I make the payment on time and so on, which always happens with a growing organization, right? And, and these are challenges which already exist. And uh, we believe that our own solution with a minor customization can, be address, can address these particular needs as such. Now, what we wanted to do was to add on a layer of uh because you know for the sme financing our product has an element of fiat but for this particular product which is catering to crypto players we wanted to make it completely on chain wherein the uh, service is also delivered the invoices uh, processed and the payment all of it is done on chain itself and uh, when you have an on chain solution of this sort um, it is it is uh, pivotal that you know it starts to work and follows the principles of web 3.0 and uh, having a DAO for that was kind of, while, while DAO is something that, you know, we're going to be seeing at a very a distant future because we need to really build out the product first. Uh, but, but that is kind of the end goal that we believe is going to help overall the ecosystem, right? And uh, from, a, from a poly trade is going to focus on two different sides of uh, customer segments on one side for SME financing for the real world on the other side the product that we branded as polytrade meta uh, again you know targeting the metaverse concept is to build a suite of products around commerce and financing solutions for web 3.0 kind of companies and uh, uh, we were happy to kind of announce that you know polygon has uh, agreed to be the first customer who will be using this polytrade meta product which means that all the suppliers 
whom the payments are going from Polygon, $5 million worth would be processed via. That's a cool thing for us in terms of the trend, uh, you know, uh, belief that the Polygon team has on us. Looking forward to have the Polytrade Meta product uh, launched by uh, Q2 as well, at least in its very initial stages, right? Because we have a very strong roadmap of at least for the next two to three years. While we've not published this, we published it we're very clear in terms of and uh, what we need to do on that front um, so so very excited about that and that that exactly is the entire decentralized practice cool thank you very much for this so people if you want to follow polytrade fans definitely look at their website and follow their socials um since there will be many products going live in q1 and q2 of this year and then I'm uh, personally very much looking forward to testing the platform as well as a retail investor and, and seeing how we can invest in <clears throat> traditional businesses through uh, the concept of, of blockchain and NFTs with a earning a stable APY coming from um, yeah, real world companies uh, with low risk. So thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Arul, for all those answers and for explaining Polytrade Finance to us and also sharing your vision on Web3 and on Metaverse Commerce with us. Is there anything else that you um, you wanted to add or if people want to reach out to you, is there any Telegram or Discord or a Twitter where you want to send them? Sure. So, I mean, our Telegram channels are quite constantly monitored. We just set up uh, an alpha channel on our Discord server as well. But yeah, Telegram is the right way to enter the uh, all the social channels of Polytrade as such. Right. And uh, yeah, and exactly like you mentioned, there are quite a few products that are coming up. Uh, in the next uh, two weeks or so, we should be having uh, a listing in a tier one exchange as well, uh, apart from uh, a listing in on Indian exchange, which is kind of a home ground for us. So kind of very uh, for that. with a product launch also. With TV. So it's a packed tools for us. Uh, very excited to have uh, all the community support that we can garner this month. Cool. Thank you. And know the feeling. Everything is pretty packed in uh, in the blockchain space, especially when things are moving so fast. Thank you again, Arul. This was the last Valley Expert Talk for 2021. So we wrapped up this year and we're preparing next year with our next guest. It will be Sergey, uh, the co-founder of One Inch. Uh, also joining Alex Russman will be a guest in 2022 from the HBAR Foundation. Mm -hmm. And we'll also have Sammy, the CEO of Transac. And then we will have a very special guest soon. Um, need to be confirmed on the name and date, but that will be someone explaining uh, and working at Adidas and explaining their moves in the metaverse. So thank you very much for listening, Arul. Let's catch up soon and good luck with the packed agenda for the coming months and years. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jan, and uh, happy new year to everyone. Thank you, Arul. Bye-bye.